This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Clay Young Show. Welcome. Our guest today is East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney Hiller Moore. On this episode, we are going to talk about the details of July 17th of last year. As you are hearing this, the district attorney has just conducted a presentation with the media where he gives a minute-by-minute detail by painstaking detail account of what happened on that Sunday in mid-July of last year. You are going to learn some things about the shooter, Gavin Long, and that will be the only time I, I will say his name on this show. You will learn some things about the officers that day and how they conducted their business. You will learn some things about the event and the immediate aftermath. The district attorney is going to talk with us about why he decided to release this information to the media. He is going to give some details that have never before been heard about that day, a great number of them. He is going to clear up some of the misconceptions about that day with people talking about what happened and how it happened. All of that is going to be cleared up. All of the information will be available for you. And we will play an audio clip that gives the minute-by-minute description of what happened on that day. So I mentioned on the show that we recorded earlier this week, episode 126, that there was something that was coming and I couldn't tell you who was going to be on the show. And I could not at the time. But I can tell you now that I have known that this presentation was coming for some time because the DA recorded an audio-only portion of that presentation here in our studio. So I knew that there was going to be an impact on society, this society. And so we're going to talk with him about that day. And at the end of that interview, We're going to play for you the audio presentation. You will be able to hear what happened on that day based upon the DA's minute-by-minute accounting of it. It is something to hear. So with that, we will take a quick break and then come back and speak with District Attorney Hiller Moore here on the Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with District Attorney Hiller Moore, and we've only done this a couple times since we've been doing these shows. This is episode 127, and we've done two in a week. And this one is because of the nature of what the District Attorney's Office just presented to really the nation now, and that is the minute-by-minute events of July 17th of last year. Hiller, it's... it's It takes you back to the emotion of that Sunday morning and everything that went on. And there have been so many rumors. There have been so much innuendo about what happened. And you know how it is now in the era of social media. One thing starts to spread, and before you know it, it becomes truth. Yeah, so it's obviously it was a sad day for law enforcement, for Baton Rouge, and people personally. And I guess it's one of those days you'll never forget where you were when you learned the uh, information so let's let's start at the beginning 
Uh, and to tell people if you if you've missed what's happened, you know, the district attorney's office presented the details of that day to the public. What made you want to do this? Well, uh, starting last year, we started this officer-involved shooting protocol. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an agreement amongst myself, the state police, city police, and the sheriff. So whenever the city police were to be involved in an officer-involved shooting yeah. and someone's killed, they do not investigate themselves, but they mm-hmm. let the state police come in and do that investigation, same right. with the sheriff. And the DA works along with the state police. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, ultimately, it's our decision, was the shooting lawful? Yeah. And uh, in the cases where we believe the shooting is lawful, Obviously, there's no grand jury, there's no charge, and but people want to know, tell me what happened, why did you make the decision you made? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that's across the nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Baton Rouge really has the model uh, for other places to follow. So this, this case was uh, such one that, you know, not only you have three people that are killed, mm-hmm. several people that are injured, one severely, right, as you're right. well aware of. Nick Toulier. And then... You know, this is an active shooter. Was yeah. there more than one shooter? Yeah. So many uh, projectiles that mm-hmm. are flying. People want to know exactly what happened. I think they deserve to know exactly what happened as we can relate it to them. And in this case, this was boy, the, the state police uh, themselves in the crime lab, along with the coroner's office and mm-hmm. folks from my office and all over, they worked their tail off yeah. days out the crime scene. Yeah. But after that, uh, months of investigation, interviews, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm meetings back and forth uh it, it's taken us a year and it's almost the anniversary and yeah. it's just it so happened that we have finally finished everything that we have and we need to put it out well we're going to play the audio of that day because now that you've had the press conference and all this is public we'll play the audio of of the events of that but yeah. what was the most surprising piece of information you learned when you put this entire thing together? Yeah, uh, tell you the truth, that's uh, probably something that you may not even know, uh, but that it was one that we learned a day or two ago going yeah. through video. Yeah, yeah. And there, the state police has done an awesome job on mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. capturing this video and the mm-hmm. different cameras. Mm-hmm. And we're fortunate that we have cameras yeah. in this case. Yeah. And it actually captures everything from beginning to end, mm-hmm. good and bad. Mm-hmm. And But what we learned... Uh, just a day or so ago before this release was that actually uh, Long saw Officer Gerald turning into the turn lane into Benny's Be Quick. Mm -hmm. Long put up uh, aside him, right beside him, and saw that he had a officer's car, obviously with his intent to kill officers. And you could see his car where he's trying to get to the turn lane to follow Gerald into the Be Quick, but couldn't because of traffic. And then he goes down Airline Highway, passes up Benny's, and makes an illegal U-turn, mm-hmm. actually turns in front of two cars and almost gets hit. Right. And that's when we pick it up on the video where he then comes in and uh, parks his vehicle next to the hair crown, gets out and raises his weapon at Gerald's vehicle, thinking that Gerald's in that vehicle. Wow. But Gerald was not. He had made it inside. So uh, he got out with he, his weapon. He got out with his weapon, dressed all in black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, with many different weapons. Yeah. So that was uh, that was initially that was a really big shock yesterday. Our initial thinking was that more than likely he had cased out Benny's. You know, Benny's is known for officers that mm-hmm. are come there and get coffee. Mm-hmm. And now I, I question that. I believe now that probably he just he was probably looking at police headquarters right yeah. down the street. Yeah. And that um, he just happened to see Officer Gerald, unfortunately. Mm-hmm and saw there was an officer there, and by the time he got there, there was another vehicle, Montreal Jackson, mm-hmm. and unknown to him in an unmarked vehicle, Brad Garofola. Who was not in his uniform. Not in uniform, He had just there. worked a private shift at, at, uh, as security yes. at, at Be Quick. So it was unfortunate, bad timing, I guess, mm-hmm. for these officers, but he was surely intended on committing harm. Uh, also, we had already known, uh, but not known to the public, is that earlier that morning, 30 minutes before the shootings uh, began, mm-hmm. He checked out of a hotel right down the street on the airline highway, not far from Benny's. And we have the video of him checking out of the hotel. And he gives the clerk what we believe is his, uh, we call for lack of a better word, a suicide letter. It's a three-page document where he he tells his family and friends, I know you guys are going to be shocked by the allegations of the really bad things that I did. 
and he goes on to talk about officers have to die, and it's unfortunate that good and bad officers have to die because of the actions of a few bad officers, but that's the way that it has to be. And we, we believe that he was making copies of that letter uh, through the clerk there. And um, the, the letter couldn't be copied because it was uh, written too lightly. And we, you can see him sitting at the table, we believe, going over his writing to make the letter darker so that she could copy the letter for him for whatever reason he needed. And so she copies. never looked at what was written there, apparently. She, she looked at it, but she could only see, I think, family and friends. She had no idea what she was copying. Right. And obviously, her identity is anonymous. Sure. So, so from the, within 30 minutes of that letter, you, 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 could, you could feel and sense from that letter, obviously, that he had ill intent for officers. Mm-hmm. And with the Baton Rouge Police Department being right down the street, mm-hmm. uh, a good guess is that he traveled right past Benny's, didn't see anyone, mm-hmm. went probably to police headquarters, which, at, as you know, at that time was heavily cardoned off mm-hmm. and had... A lot of uh, armed folks there, mm-hmm. but a way out of sight. Yeah. And before you could get to the police headquarters, you had to go through security. Right. So there's a good chance, in my opinion only, that he probably went to Baton Rouge Police Headquarters, found that he could take no action there, mm-hmm. and just happened to see Officer Gerald in the turning lane, turning into the Be Quick, and after that, uh, you know, the destruction then carried on. Why do you think he chose Baton Rouge? Well, uh, he was he was in Texas, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, what happened there. At, he was in Dallas after the events. After the events. Okay. And then, um, I believe, sent a, uh, did a uh, podcast or whatever he, he yeah. caught, did it at yeah. the time, talking about Baton Rouge uh, incident. And we, we, we know that he Googled the officers involved in the Sterling, Sterling case, uh, looking for their address, their names, some information on Wanted them. Wanted to go to their house. So, correct. So by... Obviously, being in Dallas and the things that have gone on there, and then Googling the officers involved here, and then he eventually comes to Louisiana through, in a rental car, mm-hmm. then comes to Baton Rouge and is here for three days at three or four different hotels yeah. and talking to people about things. Uh, obviously, his intent was to do harm. Mm-hmm. And, and now, now, given this letter that, that uh, you've seen, it's You know it was intent, premeditated. Yes, it was premeditated. His intent was to harm any officer yeah. he could harm. So the, sh- the shootings in Dallas took place midweek. It was either uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. The, the shootings in Baton Rouge were the following weekend. Yeah, so not, not a long period of time. Between so did two. he go from Dallas back to Missouri, uh, or did he come from Dallas directly to Baton Rouge? Or is that something you can talk about? Not right now, but okay. I, 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 he, he came to Baton Rouge I understand. I understand. So... Can you talk about how long he was here? He was here for, I think, a total of four days, five days. So, so he was in Baton Rouge four or five days yes. before. Yes. And Actually, I have, the, I have the actual times, and I'm just drawing a blank on the actual days that he was here. But he stayed in four different hotels, and the last hotel was right down Why the Why do you think he stayed in four different hotels? I'm not sure if it was uh, money or, uh, I'm not sure, credit card issues. Uh, just really no idea. But he did move around. Mm-hmm. We have video of him at the different hotels where he was in his vehicle. and um, But really not exactly sure why. What are the areas, because I, I want to ask more questions, but what are the areas about this that you can't talk about in advance so I'll know before we, we get to anything? Yeah, you know, it's, the, I mean, generally right now, everything that's in this report, it's, which it's, is, it's which out, is it's uh, out there. volumes of yeah. things, or it's, it's a public record. Okay. Uh, so maybe some tactics or things. That okay. Well, but that, okay. that's really beyond me. Yeah, that's, that's right. What, that's right. other folks that do that. So, did he go to Triple S? I do not know that. Okay. I, I can't be certain. Can't of be that. certain that he went to Triple S. I can't discount that he. People are going to ask this question. Did he have any cooperation from people here? So that was the. At the time of this event going down, mm-hmm. uh, you no one there sure. knew was that you had an active shooter. Yeah. And shots were presumably coming from all over, and which they eventually did because mm-hmm. he moved. Mm-hmm. He was very tactical. Yeah. And so they did not know whether there was another shooter or not. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of confusion uh, because people started running. Right. And uh, when people run, you think that maybe that was one of the shooters that right. ran. You had to right. track that right. down. Right. Then you had people that were changing clothes at the Walmart across the river shortly after the shooting which was i remember that couple of guys so that was uh, led to other 
conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. that there was other shooters that were involved. But those guys weren't involved. Those guys were not involved. They okay. were interviewed. Uh, and so you had things like that that were uh, at play at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we believe now that uh, surely there's no other actor but Long. He mm-hmm. would acted completely alone, not complicit with anyone else, right. uh, to anyone's knowledge. The FBI was involved. They surely were looking at that. Mm-hmm. And they have concluded that uh, there was no other actor but Long. And, you know, the... The debris field from the weapons that he had and the rounds that he fired, mm-hmm. it, it's evident that there was one shooter. And now, given that we have everything captured on video, yeah, there's no doubt. You know, after this uh, discussion, we'll, we'll play that the, the audio portion of the presentation that, that you've now given to the media. Uh, the officers that day, as you have laid out, mm-hmm. Brad Garofola was finishing private security at Be Quick. Montreal Jackson had, Jackson had come off tour, was washing his car uh, at the end of the day. Matthew was going on, or was he in the middle of his tour? So Gerald uh, was going there to buy, uh, buy a drink. Okay. And same thing with Gerald besides, right. I'm sorry. Um, Garofola. Uh, Garofola was there just working his shift. And Montreal heard the call over his radio. So... Garofola and Gerald are inside the Be Quick itself. Right. Montreal is outside of the Be Quick, away from them, mm-hmm. uh, closer to the uh, fitness center. Mm-hmm. And he he sees the officers come out and start looking around, but then he eventually hears Officer Gerald. And then you could see, and actually, a, sorry, let me back up, uh, a person that was inside the Be Quick, a citizen, that heard the... Uh, the description of a shooter mm-hmm. you could see that person again anonymous uh, goes up to his vehicle and tells him hey you may want to go check your friends inside there was just a guy with a weapon you can see that vehicle uh, go up to his unit and then that vehicle leaves and then he eventually uh, meets the other two officers where they uh, start going and trying to engage the shooter these uh these three officers did not run away. No. Uh, you know, they called for help, but they yeah. ran into uh, the action. Yeah. And then eventually Garofola, uh, a real heroic uh, effort in attempting to... Save Matthews. Save everyone that he could save yeah. and anyone else. Yeah. And then following that, the SRT members that show up there and arrive, mm-hmm. again, running into a situation where they had no idea... Yeah, because they didn't how know many, how many active shooters how many, they were. Or where yeah, they were. Or where. And what type of round that they were going to encounter, which yeah. is a two two three round. Yeah. Large armor caliber. piercing. At least some were armor piercing, yeah. green tip yeah. dots, or at least steel piercing. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of heroic efforts uh, that day. The, the detail of this shows how these officers acted according to training. Yes. And the way that they were proceeding, they were calm, they were under control. There were lots of people in the parking lot in and out of Be Quick because even if you didn't know what was going on, people stopped there because Airline Highway is not as busy on a Sunday. So you can you can get in and out of places pretty quickly. Right. And in the hair salon that is adjacent to the Be Quick, they were open and people were in there. Actually, they were closed. It was they, were closed. they were closed. It was but were there in the people morning. in there? No, no, none to my knowledge. Okay, no. so all of those business along businesses along Be Quick, they were, were all closed, closed except for Be Quick. That's correct. Except for Be Quick, right? And he parked on one side of Be Quick. He parked on uh, on one side of Be Quick at the hair. The, the northern side of Be Quick. Yes, going Sorry. towards. Uh, it, well, for so, people, if you don't know yeah. Bat Rouge, I, I don't guess it matters. He parked no, no. on one side. Yes, and he, but but he passed them to see that they were moving to the other side. Yes. So what? Uh, how the sequence goes is that he eventually he sees Gerald making the turn, but he can't get there. So he mm-hmm. makes a U-turn. He comes back, and he parks his vehicle out of sight next to the Be Quick, where he could not his car could not be seen. Gets out all dressed in black with mm-hmm. his uh, semi-automatic weapon. Goes to Gerald's car, thinking he has him. Gerald's not there. He gets back in his vehicle. He drives through the Hair Crown parking lot to a back street. Mm-hmm. then turns around on Airline Highway. At that point, as he's coming around, Gerald and Garofola are outside mm-hmm. now with a group of others right. looking for mm-hmm. this armed gunman. He passes right by them and, and sees them. As he passes further, then he can see 
the other uh, vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, the other unit there. So he sees what he has. He now makes another illegal U-turn, mm-hmm. comes up airline highway the wrong way, traveling against traffic, and then eventually gets on the shoulder and then goes into the fitness center expo where he parks. Mm-hmm. And he gets out again with his weapon, and he tries to go in front of the Be Quick where he sees the officers have his back to him, mm-hmm. but there are too many people there. He then goes around the backside of Be Quick, and you can see him on the video coming through the, the backside. He actually waves to civilian employees yeah. as if either I'm with them or just a wave. Yeah. And then he eventually sees where the officers have gone down now this tunnel, which they have no idea mm-hmm. he's behind them. Mm-hmm. And they have their back to him. Mm-hmm. And you can see them tactically. They're assessing their situation. And like Matthew looks back a few times. So all of them look back a few yeah. times. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brad is going down ahead to, he's in front. to cover all of the other spots. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, uh, Long uses the coverage and the shade that he mm-hmm. has and the tactical firepower he has compared to the sidearms that mm-hmm. the officers had mm-hmm. and actually shoots them with their back turned right. to him. And as he has them down, he then turns the corner where Brad is. And, and they Brad, meet at the corner. And Brad hears the gunfire mm-hmm. and it takes cover. But mm-hmm. then after the gunfire subsides, he then, uh, we believe, was trying to go render aid mm-hmm. uh, to Gerald. Mm-hmm. And at this point, as he's going that way, then he's encountered again by Long, uh, who, again, is tactically superior at the time because yeah. of the weapon that he had. Yes. And Garofalo encounters the fire and is hit, uh, uh, continues to fire twice from the ground. Mm-hmm. I think he expands 13, expands 13 of his rounds, uh, just as uh, fatally wounded mm-hmm. at that point. At this point, Long is not hit at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know now, Long then runs back behind the hair crown uh, takes cover at a uh, air conditioning yeah. event. But he gets up reloads. over the fence over there, he, right? Actually, no, he does not go he, over the fence. Okay. He stops there at the air, in this field and reloads his weapon. Mm-hmm. And then, unknown to him, I'm sorry, and I, yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Chad Montgomery, yes. the other officer, is first he, t- to he come. turned and engages them as they're pulling in after, to the parking lot, right? After Long uh, shoots the two uniformed officers, mm-hmm. that's when Montgomery had already heard the call for backup Mm -hmm. he comes in and long then turns his attention to that unit because he's looking at his back Mm -hmm. as the officers did he shoots at the montgomery's vehicle and actually strikes montgomery which uh Mm -hmm. you know fortunately for him he survives Mm -hmm. and then he runs forward where he engages garofola and then runs to the empty field and there are two units there's two officers in a unit on airline highway which is a long ways away right he sees that unit that unit is trying to set up a perimeter he takes a knee and takes that long shot and actually hits that unit in the rear of the unit. Fortunate those officers had uh, exited their vehicle mm-hmm. and got out with their own uh, semi-automatic mm-hmm. weapon, fired back at him, didn't hit him. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he runs around uh, through the back and now comes up to the back of the opposite side mm-hmm. of Benny's. And he comes to the uh, woods. And at that point, the sheriff's office had arrived. Uh, Mr. Touye and Sergeant Simmons, and they could not see no. where Long was because of the, the woods. wooded area. But Nick had gone to the car. Nick had gone to the car, to assessed the check. car, to to look inside yeah. the car, looking at the passengers, yeah. just to see what he could see. But he didn't know that that was the car yeah. that the shooter was at in. At that point, nobody yeah. really knew. But he yeah. was doing. He his just job saw the car, and you know, which is heads up on his part. Right. And unfortunately, as he turned and was walking back to his unit to presumably run the mm-hmm. tag, whatever he's going to do. He uh, gets fire. Mm-hmm. He goes down, uh, struggles enough to get back inside of his vehicle mm-hmm. and takes more rounds takes while more inside. Rounds. Yeah. At the same time, uh, Sergeant Bruce Simmons is behind him and he takes out his shotgun. And Bruce Simmons is emit, hit just about immediately after uh, Deputy Tuya is and he gets hit in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you could hear, as you've already heard, yeah. you could hear them audio. For these to have that wherewithal to speak as they did, speak as clearly as they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sergeant Simmons, you could hear him. Chad Montgomery, you could mm-hmm. hear him. Uh, Officer Gerald, uh, actually, you hear his last words yes. uh, so, uh, saying shots are fired. Mm-hmm. That's shots were fired at him. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the SRT teams arrive, and they tactically get in all the proper positions. They start taking fire, mm-hmm. again, from large caliber mm-hmm. weapons. And fortunately, uh, one of the one or two of the SRT members see Long uh, and shoot him, 
and it appears as if Long is shot in the leg. Mm -hmm. At least that kind of takes him down and knocks yeah. him back. And then they eventually move in, trying to render aid to uh, Tuye and Simmons mm -hmm. when Long moves again. And you can actually see him moving on the video, and you see his hands on the weapon mm -hmm. after being given commands, and more rounds are fired mm -hmm. at Long, and Long is eventually uh, killed. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then the, the deputies are taken out, brought to the hospital, moved from actually two city police officers came to take Deputy Tuye, mm -hmm. put him in their unit to bring him to an ambulance, and then eventually on to the hospital. And I believe that the Bearcat that was there yeah. took two of the officers yeah. that were fatally yeah. wounded to the hospital and then another in another unit. So this, uh, the, just the narration, as you heard mm -hmm. and participated in, mm -hmm. took 13 minutes. 13 but, minutes, 55 seconds. But yeah. the actual uh, real time is six minutes. So this carnage occurred in oh, it was six minutes. Six minutes. Yes. I thought total occurred in six minutes, and the actual narration for a, wow. for us took us thirteen yeah. minutes to narrate six. And as you you know, the most Holy emotional cow. the most emotional part, as you I think yeah. would agree, yes, is the six minute clip of yep. the actual yep. dispatch That's right. of the officers. Yep. And uh, you know, the SRT members that come, you could hear that. I believe uh, you mm -hmm. would agree. You could hear that steady voice yep. in that SRT member yep. that's taking fire yep. and is telling everyone, hold your cover. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once they head him down, that the suspect is down, unless they know that there's another shooter, mm -hmm. there's no other action to be taken at that point. So as bad as a situation it was, I think these guys just handled it as best as you can. Uh, they were just They were just shot in the back. You know, yeah. from a source that just had a higher firepower at the time, and uh, but uh, I mean, they literally never saw it coming. No, the only one who was alerted to the degree is was that he could do something was Brad because Absolutely. Brad was Brad had taken cover behind that dumpster, and uh, Matthew was Matthew had made it around the corner, but they initially because they were standing next to each other, not right up against each other, but. It, Montreal is to the left of, of, of yes. Matthew. But by the time by the time he opens up and they react to it, it's already too late. Yes. And it's see for me, the the politics of this is is sad. I don't think it should be a political thing, something sure. like this. No way. The, I, I some of the rhetoric, some of the hate speech out there, it doesn't help anybody. What Montreal Jackson wrote about not letting hate you know, infect your heart and talking about both sides having to take responsibility for the things that they say and the things that they think. Yes. And when you watch this and this guy who believed that killing cops, regardless of color, reputation, anything, killing cops was something that had to happen. What was the, you and you mentioned briefly what he said in the letter? Yeah, Did he say a, what he a, hoped the outcome would be? Well, uh, obviously, he wanted every police officer to be a good police officer, and uh, but he was a judge, jury, and executioner. He was the one that was going to decide, or anyone or others, to do the same until things have changed. And I don't know what but he, but, change but, would be for him. I don't know what change uh, would be for him, but, but him not knowing the cops, he just he just he was shooting at a badge. Well, that's. Correct. And uh, as I mentioned, I th he was the judge, jury, yeah. and executioner. He decided yeah. on his own he yeah. was going to be God that yeah. day to three very good yeah. police officers yep. that were innocent people yep. that represented the badge the way you want them to represent it. Yep. And unknowing that Montreal Jackson had written what he, writ mm -hmm. he wrote. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when, when you read his letter, and look, I don't want to give this guy any more attention than Absolutely. anyone else. Absolutely. So we, 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 in our report, we touched upon some things that mm -hmm. he said and did, but surely don't want to make give him a manifesto to, right. that others can read. Right. But he also had a, uh, an ancient uh, prayer. Um, I'm, I'm not recalling the source of the prayer now, but it said that if you said this prayer with reverence uh, every day and you believed in it, and if you were killed or die on that day, that you would surely see rewards in heaven. Wow. Uh, that was in his car. And so that, that along with the letter and then his actions uh, speak for what happen do you believe because based upon what we know now it is apparent he wasn't he was trying to get back to his car no doubt he's no doubt in my opinion he's, yes because 
as you know now, mm-hmm. he had a uh, semi-automatic pistol yes. on him that he yep. did not get to use. Yep. But he also had another AR mm-hmm. in his vehicle mm-hmm. with backpacks, with binoculars, mm-hmm. with a map, and more ammunition. So what was on the map? Can you it's, say it's just a regular okay, map? Okay, okay, just a map. All right, uh, an atlas. Yes. So, in our opinion, yeah. at least mine, yeah. that he was not going to end there. Yeah, he was going. So that's and that's the point. For people who say he can't, it was a suicide mission. He he came there to do this, knowing that he was going to die there. It was an option for him. Obviously, I'm sure he knew that based upon what he had written. But he was getting back to his car to go someplace else, likely police headquarters. Likely, and or or to get another weapon, knowing that other officers now that have done this are going to come and right. can I kill more officers? Right. And uh, but I, it appears as if he was prepared to die. For the public listening to this and this information, I mean, this kind of thing, I don't know if it's ever been done. It's, it's, you have done it without any propaganda. It's been about the facts. I mean, it's, I, I happen to know you spoke with the families to make certain that they understood this was going to happen, that, that they were fine. I spoke with three, I spoke with two of the wives and James, and they were, they were fine with this yep. happening because they knew that you were going to, respect right them you know this bottom line is that we wanted to make sure that the memory of their child husband mm-hmm. is protected yeah and these these people have families they have yeah. children yeah and people can be cruel yeah in this world and we want to make sure that we put out what we put out professionally and to make sure that no one can use this in any kind of way right don't want to glorify anyone yep and respect dignity of life and uh you know meeting with the families i wanted them to see because because if they had an objection to something I would surely reconsider, yes. but also have a duty of releasing things that are actually public record. Yes. But in this case, they have a duty of also to protect uh, pictures mm-hmm. of autopsy pictures mm-hmm. of dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's what the goal is. And as you know now, seeing the screen, in, in this case, the video is, uh, is clear. The pictures mm-hmm. are extremely mm-hmm. clear. Oh, and I'm sure no a lot of people would want to get their no. hands on this, yeah. but it is, it's something that the, we have protected this. Yeah. and. I simply show a badge yes. uh, when the officer is, it, it is, is killed. It is clear what happened, uh, and it is backed up by real-time yeah. record, video recording. The, the full video... Let me back yes. up. Let me, before I get to the full video, with what you mentioned about... There has been chatter on social media and other places about those events. Uh, chatter coming out of Missouri from relatives, chatter around here, uh, questioning the account of what has going gone on. Yeah. Now, I never knew that because I'll be honest with you, I don't trade in the negativity that's on the Internet. And there is so much of it. Sure. Regardless of your politics, you can find it. I don't want to see that stuff. So I'm, I, I stay away from it. But it has been out there, just so the public knows, who haven't been keeping up with this, there has been a, a, a groundswell of chatter in certain circles, yes. correct? Sure. And uh, that's why we wanted to be uh, really precise and clear on exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for us, again, having that video, yeah. we hope that what this puts it to rest, although I'm sure for some small group it probably yeah. never will. Yeah. But we're just, again, fortunate to have this video mm-hmm. uh, that we're able to show that. And I think that for law enforcement, uh, I I know that they're going to because the chief and the sheriff are committed to that and right. Colonel of the state police use this for training to to become tactically better mm-hmm. of officers. Mm-hmm. Like this is how it happened here. Right. And how did it happen in Dallas? What can we learn from Dallas? What can we learn from here? And, you know, officer, obviously as well, can people now maybe understand a little better what officers go through in this situation? Yeah. And uh, you know, when you hear that dispatch uh you have a different feel for yeah this this was just a normal day a slow sunday right after all everything was gonna gonna calm down people were gonna breathe i think yeah. on this day yeah and everything went back up again and in and, and a way that no one can ever ever forget and then Na- the flood and then the, the flood, flood was was less than a month later yes the full video for people who don't know and, and i've referenced it earlier every second of this six-minute exchange is caught in real time on video. On several different on cameras. On several different cameras. Cameras that are around, in and around the Be Quick. In the hair crime. And, 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 the, and the hair salon. And actually a few that are located in other areas to show the travel on airline. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that in this case that the 
the timestamp on the on these videos right. were just almost identical. Uh, and we were able to piece that. Actually, the state police were able to piece that together in a fantastic way. How do you protect that video? Because it is extremely gruesome. And yeah. and it's I mean, it's it's tough. How do you keep that from seeing the light of day? I, you know, I, I all of this that we discussed in the report mm-hmm. and all the volumes of attachment, mm-hmm. they're going to be loaded to uh, our website mm-hmm. and people can look at what is yeah. a public record. Yes. I don't anticipate in this case out of respect for the family that anybody will file a, a public records request to ask me. One would hope, but I don't know. I, I, I'm. Real People are nosy. And I'm real they, confident locally here. Yeah, I that agree. This media here respects what happened. Yeah. Now, yeah. nationwide, would someone do that? That's possible. What about I a private citizen wanting anyone, to get it? Anyone can, right. can file whatever they want to yeah. file. Yeah. The case law is clear in my favor mm-hmm. that this is protected. Right. And so we will fight any person or any entity that mm-hmm. wants to get footage of bodies of people, human beings, good people being killed. Uh, we will fight that uh, f- not just for ourselves and for dignity, but for these family members and for that person themselves. And, uh, you know, so far, Clay, on the ones that uh, things that we have released, we have not had one public records request yet. Mm-hmm. yet. Uh, this one is a little different, uh, but I just don't see it. And if they do, we will do what we have to do. For the public who, as as this show is up and over the weekend, as people will be pouring through this and and there will probably be some national attention on this as well. What are you hoping that people will gain from this? Just that uh, how things now have changed in officer-involved shootings and how yeah. uh, how the investigation uh, went, went about mm-hmm. and how this report got to be written and, uh, yeah. and the detail of the report yeah. and how to make things more transparent and open and that everyone understands this is truthfully, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, bad, or ugly, this is how it went down. Nobody's hiding anything. It's transparent. Uh, just respect more f- for life. Uh, people take a breath and look at look at what this is right. what really happened. These right. are real people, right. a real community that hurt, yeah. got hurt real bad, got yeah. a sucker punch in the yeah. gut yeah. after other sucker punches yeah. in the gut and yeah. then followed, followed yeah. by some. Um, this is a tough business that, that we are in. It's a tough time. Mm-hmm. But when we have to learn from this and get better. You know, at some point when the dust has settled with the day the Sterling incident took place, we can come back and, and talk about that from your perspective. Obviously, that's something that we won't get into sure. the, the, because the state, the, the attorney general is still doing it. Uh, your perspective on it, because it, it was the worst July, worst July I could ever remember. I'm a little older than you, so it's yeah. the worst one I've, I've yeah. ever yeah. seen. I, I think because, you know, we've had bad storms sure. normally in August and after. And that day, because this kind of thing is brand new to American society right now. This yes. this wave of something like this is different. What and, and final couple of questions here. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this. Deranged people with military training who can do what this guy did because his training was on display when he carried out these shootings. Obviously, and that's uh, probably part of what he wanted to display. Also, this guy was not only tactical, but in the Marine Corps, he was in the Marines, I think, for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a uh, data specialist and mm-hmm. uh, technology specialist. So uh, with, with regard to his phones and things like that, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was, for the most part, dark. Well, now, explain what you mean by that. Well, uh, so I'm not a I'm not a computer technical sure. person, but you know, phones and you have mm-hmm. SIM cards, SIM cards and different right. things. Your car, mm-hmm. where you can eventually find out who's doing what on the phone, and mm-hmm. this this guy knew exactly uh, how to stay off the how grid. to stay off the grid and yeah. just go dark. And uh, why do you think he felt he needed to do that? Uh, just because he's been trained that way, and hmm. this is part of his training, and uh, he knew what his mission was, and this is part of it. So when he gave that letter to the clerk, the one that you, it was, a, it was a handwritten letter. Yes. When he gave that letter to the clerk, uh, he gave it to her knowing that people would probably come to him uh, or come find out that he had stayed there. Uh, no, she, he gave it to her to make a copy. Right. 
And that's the only reason he gave it to her, because she had a copy machine right there. Is the letter going to be public record? The letter is public record. Okay. Yes. So um, he says, I guess because now I could let that cat yeah. out of the bag. I'm, I'm holding it here. He says, and when good cops do try and stand up, speak out, and point out the wrongs and criminal acts of a bad cop, they get reprimanded, harassed, blackballed, or blacklisted, or all of these and more, thus creating a perpetual systemic fertile ground for bad cops to flourish, excel, and go unpunished in. Uh, He had a bunch of videos that were up. I didn't watch all of that stuff for reasons I referenced a few minutes ago. This is propaganda as much as a as much as a yes. suicide note. Yes, and right? I, you know, one of the one of the things we do we do not want to bring more attention to him. However, right. this letter does explain what he did. Yeah, you mentioned he had uh, all types of things that he put out there. We uh, we actually have captured those, but uh, we're not putting those and not posting them up. And they have now been taken down. Right. So I uh, just don't want to really generate any more of this type of interest for someone that may be in that same situation that he's in or their mind is in that situation. I mean, he admits that bad cops, quote unquote, good cops, quote unquote, but that, that he was just going to kill cops as, as a statement. So they all have to die regardless of whether they're good or not. He's sorry that good ones have to die, but good cops have to die. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we'll see what this, what the outcome of this will be public now that it is public. It is, it's chilling a few weeks ago when we went through all of this, working our way to the presentation and learning the truth without rumor. I mean, you did all, you did all of this without opinion. I mean, it was just, it was down the middle. Here is what happened, how it happened. Here is what we know. Here's what we can tell you publicly. It was kind of an unemotional presentation, which no matter where you fall, you got the facts. Right, that's the way that we want it to be on not only this case but every case, and these are difficult cases. Yeah, and you know, summer. This was obviously there was never a question as to whether the officers yeah uh, were right in what they did. Right, they saved more lives. They saved their own lives. Uh, other cases, you know, surely not as easy as this case for a district attorney. And these are tough cases. Mm-hmm. And, but this was an extremely emotional case. And and go, he the, he wrote things that would make you think that he said something. I mean, this letter is written in a mild, controlled, almost sociopathic way because it's, it doesn't belie the absolute devastation that was unleashed on yeah. anybody wearing a badge. Surely, and, and, it's a, surely it's an unemotional letter. It's just, right. hey, I just had to do it. Right. Sorry, but there's a reason for that yeah. I had to do it. So yeah, completely unemotional, detached. Obviously, this person had some issues. And, you know, we saw this last yeah. year with officer-involved shootings yeah. where majority of those that engaged officers had some mental health issues. Yeah. And so this kind of carries on what we have seen in the past. And, with the, you know, what the hope is that this doesn't become commonplace and regular, and it's oftentimes that's what we see now. Mm-hmm. We need to prevent this. We really need to take a look at mental health yeah. issues. And you mentioned yeah. uh, military folks. Yeah. That's a, a unique kind of dangerous situation we have police officers who are uh, excuse me retired military vets who are suicidal because of their mental issues in fact uh, on average 22 military vets a day commit suicide that's That's a real statistic number yeah 22 a day and this guy had issues and i i don't think people talk about what's broken there is no pro- perfection in anything. Sure. And I've had law enforcement officers and people who run departments sit in that chair that you're in saying, you know, no police department is perfect. When we find someone who doesn't belong on the job, we try to deal with it. Sure. There's a lot of conversation to have. But the way we're going about it now leads to this, not any kind of result that yeah. people can be happy with. So, you know, you question uh, now, hindsight, that, that this person's family member, did anyone see or perceive that? He was having these issues. Mm-hmm. We do know now that in 2015, he filed for a sovereign citizenship in Kansas for the Washita Nation. He believes that being a member of the Nation, that he is then uh, not obligated to follow any laws of the United States or any state or any city. Hmm. And he declared that uh, in his 
uh, in his documentation and things that he wrote. Said, was he an anarchist? Uh, I mean, I think he could make that argument yeah. easily. Wow. Well, I'm sure there will be a, a, a part two discussion to this. I, I just think it's well done by your office to deal with this in the way that you have and to put it out there. And again, like I said, at some point when Jeff Landry is done with the Sterling case one way or the other, however that goes, I've stayed away from that after the fact because I yeah. make it a rule to just not get into discussion about things that are happening that where we don't know the outcome. Right. And, and an example of that is every if I didn't trade on what happened on the 17th in terms of fact and detail because of what was out there. And we now know much of what people had heard was wrong. Yes. And so that's why you stay away from speculation, because you just don't know. And that's why we made no comment until we were able to really know the facts. And again, as of just two days ago, yeah. I, had, I did not know that one yeah. other part that really changed my perspective right. on a lot of things. Was he wearing a vest? Yes. He was wearing a vest? Yes. Okay. And at the time that um, he was there, after he was shot, we didn't know whether he had a bomb. Sorry, the tactical folks had no idea whether he had a bomb. Yeah attached to him or not. That's why they were very cautious. Mm -hmm. That's why they sent a robot there. And it took hours to make sure that that scene was secure. And the officers had no idea what they were dealing with other than he had some superior tactical firepower. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know where he was until he came out of the woods after he hit uh, Deputy Touye and Sergeant Simmons. And if Deputy Touye was not there to check that car, he might have gotten to the car. Yes. It's because he was in that area and he engaged. He heard, he heard the dispatch, him and okay. Sergeant Simmons, and they ran, got in their units instead of taking their time. They ran Code 3 to that location to try to help Baton Rouge mm -hmm. police officers and uh, Mr. Garofolo. Mm -hmm. But just think of this. If it was not for the Alton Sterling matter, maybe mm -hmm. this wouldn't have happened. However, right. if it were not for that, the SRT members that were stationed at police headquarters were all the protests were, mm -hmm. they would not have been there. They would have been at their homes, sleeping wow. on a Sunday. Then who's going to respond to this person? Right. It'll probably be regular units right. until they could get proper SRT folks. Wow. So, But for them being there right down the street, right. a few blocks away, if they had they not arrived that soon, then he's back in his car yeah. that he's going to with another weapon. Yeah. And where's he going to next? Who knows? There's a, there would be another Benny's. Could you tell if Nick Toulier had heard the shots that had been fired when he was over there? Is, uh, it, is it clear whether he knew what time, had happened? What, by the time Nick and Sergeant Simmons arrived, the shooting had ended. Okay. Because he was then, he had stopped shooting because he, he was walking now to try to get back to his vehicle okay. to try to get away or maybe engage others. I think he was surprised when he saw the two deputies units there Yeah. and then engaged them. And then at that point is when the SRT members arrived and did what they had to do. Because radio-wise, they're communicating on different channels, frequencies, whatever it is, between police and sheriff. They're not right. on the same radio channel hearing hearing each other's communications, right, are That's they? right. The sheriff was not here in the city. Yeah. And the city was not here in the sheriff. Right. They, but the, the dispatchers are right. in the same building yeah. Yeah. by the airport. Yes. However, that's also another issue. They do have a means to turn to a different tactical mm -hmm. station, but you have to let everybody know that. So when, when the radio communication with Matthew and Montrell is going across the, the PD radio band or whatever. It's not going to the sheriff. Yeah, Nick would not have been privy to That's what correct. they had said had been going on. And, but not uh, had it not been for Garofola's uh, transmission, then yeah. they would not have heard that. Right, because he is, he is in the loop too, and, and you have that. Correct. Well, uh, I mean, it, it almost leaves you speechless at the end, yeah. but... I appreciate you coming on and talking about this and having having done this with the media. And I guess the questions are going to come. And depending on what happens over the next few weeks, let's circle yep. back about this. And as an aside, totally off the subject, I do want to at some point talk more about Brave and what we what we did earlier this week in that program and give give the public an update on yeah. how some things may be changing coming up here real soon. Yeah, I just really appreciate your help at the, at the Brave calling our 10th one. Yeah. Which, I've been uh, to every one. I think I'm the only been. one who's been to every one. You've been to every one, and uh, just every time you can, you can cut the air because yeah. it's very tense. Yeah. But this last one was where the, this is where the rubber hits the road, as you Man. know. 
and hopefully we can talk to your listeners about yeah. what happened. That was a special night. Yeah, I hear from people about it when we've done this before. And even people now, and I know it may surprise you, but there are people now when we, we kind of briefly talked about it on a show who hadn't heard of it. And I'm sure that's the case. And that's, yeah. that's it. Wow. It doesn't, well, it doesn't touch uh, everyone's no, life here. No. So. I mean, if you're, if you're not living in a place or near a place where this is right. going on, it's nowhere near your radar. Right. But it's a bunch of us who just because we don't live in those circumstances don't really turn our backs on those kids who do. That's right. Because they deserve a shot, too. And we need that. We need that. Yes. District Attorney Hiller Moore. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. And now, today's Manners Minute. South Louisiana is known for street parties. Let's take it to the streets long before Mardi Gras. Why not organize a street party in your neighborhood this summer? No better way to get to know your neighbors than to invite them to take it to the street. It's not hard. Print or handwrite an invitation and post on your neighbor's doors. Make it a BYOP, bring your own pop, and invite everyone to bring their favorite foods. Pull a couple of grills to the street and ask folks to chip in for hot dogs and hamburgers. Set up a few card tables. Organize old-fashioned games that all ages can play. Dodgeball and Simon Says, Freeze Sag, Hopscotch, Red Rover, and the list goes on. Turn up a little music, uh, a little bit, and you're ready. Snap some pics of your neighborhood street party and post them with hashtag BRRespect for all to enjoy. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect. Baton Rouge thrives. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. As promised at the beginning of the show, we said that we would play the audio that the district attorney recorded here a few weeks ago that gives an account of what happened on Sunday, July 17th of last year. This is somewhat of an abbreviated version, and you will hear him possibly reference dots in certain colors because this audio goes along with an animation that I believe you can now find at the district attorney's website. But here, without any further delay, is the district attorney giving you the play-by-play of what took place last July. Long pulls into the driveway of the Hair Crown Beauty Supply Store and exits his vehicle dressed in black pants, a black shirt, and wearing a black mask covering most of his face. Additionally, Long was carrying an Israel Weapons Industry Tavor semi-automatic rifle. Long can be seen walking up to Officer Gerald's Baton Rouge Police Unit and slightly raises his rifle as if to shoot the vehicle's occupant. However, Officer Gerald was still inside the Be Quick at this time. Long then returns to his vehicle and exits the Hair Crown parking lot and turns onto Carolyn Sioux Drive, then onto Old Hammond Highway, then Airline Highway. While Officer Gerald was standing in the checkout line at the Be Quick, a civilian ran inside and alerted him that there was a man outside who was armed with a rifle. By the time Officer Gerald and Deputy Garofolo go outside to look for Long, Long was driving past them in his car. Long would have also passed Corporal Jackson as he drove by the Fitness Expo Center. After passing the three law enforcement officers, Long pulls into a nearby store's parking lot and heads back toward the Be Quick, driving against traffic on the shoulder of Airline Highway. After briefly looking for Long, Officer Gerald asks dispatch to send him a few units. Corporal Jackson immediately leaves his parking space and drives across the lot to Officer Gerald. While Corporal Jackson is driving to Officer Gerald, Long pulls into the parking lot behind the Fitness Expo Center. Corporal Jackson then tells dispatch to send more units because there was a man with a rifle in the area. Meanwhile, Deputy Garofola gets his ballistic vest out of his unit, puts it on, and radios his location to dispatch. Deputy Garofola, Officer Gerald, and Corporal Jackson proceed to the back of the Hair Crown building, which was the area where Long was last seen by civilians. While they are heading to the back of the building, Long is swiftly moving behind Benny's car wash in Be Quick. 
Long passes multiple civilians on his way toward the officers and does not give any civilian a second look. In fact, it appears in the surveillance footage that he waves at a group of civilians when he exits the alley near Officer Gerald's car before he heads to the front of the Hair Crown building. Meanwhile, Deputy Garofola is a few feet ahead of Officer Gerald and Corporal Jackson and turns the corner to the back of the Hair Crown building. Corporal Jackson and Officer Gerald have their backs to Airline Highway and are approaching the backside of the Hair Crown building. Although Officer Gerald glances over his shoulder multiple times, Long stays out of sight and takes cover on the front corner of the building and opens fire on the two Baton Rouge police officers. Corporal Jackson runs a few steps towards Long, but then collapses on the grassy side of the alley where he succumbs to his injuries. Officer Gerald takes a few steps behind the corner of the Hair Crown building before he collapses as well. Officer Gerald radios, shots fired, before succumbing to his injuries. Meanwhile, Deputy Garofola, who is out of sight from Long during the first round of gunfire, takes cover near a dumpster. Moments later, Corporal Montgomery and his partner arrive on the scene and pull into the Hair Crown driveway, where they are immediately met with gunfire from Long. The rounds go through the front windshield of Corporal Montgomery's marked police unit, hitting Corporal Montgomery on the right side of his head, just above his ear. Still under fire, Corporal Montgomery pulls his marked police unit into the front parking lot of the Hair Crown. As he's turning into the parking lot, his unit is struck by another bullet in the rear passenger window. Both Corporal Montgomery and his partner jump out of the car as it is still rolling to deal with an active shooter. After shooting at Corporal Montgomery, Long proceeds toward the back of the Hair Crown building where he sees Deputy Garofola. Deputy Garofola had taken cover by the dumpster and was tactically assessing the area when he saw Officer Gerald lying on the ground. While on his way to aid Officer Gerald, Deputy Garofola is met by Long, who turns the corner and opens fire. Deputy Garofola engages Long in the gunfight while trying to create distance between himself and Long. Deputy Garofola then falls but continues shooting at Long. However, Deputy Garofola has been fatally wounded. Long then turns his attention to Officer Gerald and fires two more rounds at the fallen officer before running to the side of Benny's warehouse. Long positions himself between Carroll and Sioux Drive and Airline Highway, reloads his weapon, and then fires at two Baton Rouge police officers who arrive to maintain a perimeter on Airline Highway. One of the officers fires two rounds back at Long. However, he noted that Long did not appear as if he had been struck by any of the bullets. Long then continued to move behind the warehouse into a wooded area behind Fitness Expo's rear gravel parking lot. East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office Sergeant Bruce Simmons, who's also represented by a green dot in his unit with his call sign T-81, arrives and parks by the entrance to the Fitness Expo building. Deputy Touye parks behind Long's rental vehicle and exits his marked unit to inspect Long's vehicle. While Deputy Touye is inspecting Long's car, Sergeant Simmons gets out of his unit with a shotgun in hand. As Deputy Touye is walking back to his unit, Long emerges from the wooded area and begins to open fire on Deputy Touye and Sergeant Simmons. Deputy Touye gets hit, falls to the ground, and then crawls inside of his unit for cover. Long fires more rounds directly at Deputy Touye's unit, causing more injuries to the already wounded deputy. Meanwhile, Sergeant Simmons is shot in the left arm while walking towards Deputy Touye. Sergeant Simmons immediately seeks cover and alerts dispatch that shots have been fired and deputies have been wounded. Shortly after shots are fired at Deputy Touye and Sergeant Simmons, multiple members of the Baton Rouge Police Department's special response team arrive on scene. Two of the SRT units park by the gas pump, while one unit parked next to the pole holding up the Benny's car wash sign. Each unit carried two SRT members. The two SRT members who parked near the pole saw Long square up and begin to fire at them. They immediately took cover and returned fire. During the gun battle, one of the SRT members shoots Long in the leg, causing him to fall on the ground near his vehicle. Long fell face down with his hands near his head and his rifle above his hands. By this time, the four other SRT members had run toward the direction of the gunfire. Two SRT members took post at the corner of the entrance to Benny's car wash, keeping their rifles trained on Long to protect their teammates. The remaining two SRT members joined the initial pair 
and the four of them advanced towards Long's vehicle, giving loud verbal commands such as, don't move. Three SRT members got in position, facing in Long's direction, while one provided cover. Long then begins to move his hands toward his rifle, causing one of the SRT members to fire two rounds at Long. After those two rounds, Long reached again for his rifle. Fearing Long was going to rearm himself, five of the SRT members opened fire on Long, killing him. Soon after, an SRT member announces over the radio that the suspect was down. Once the suspect was down, the injured officers were transported to the local hospitals. The SRT members could see that Long was wearing a vest over his clothing. Fearing that it could contain explosives, they did not approach Long and instead held cover and maintained the scene while waiting for a remote-controlled bomb robot to be deployed. The bomb robot was deployed and found no evidence of explosives on Long's body. After the scene was deemed secured, the scene was maintained for the investigation. So now you know. We appreciate the district attorney being on our show again this week and sharing with us, conducting his first interview about this event and its aftermath and the press conference that was held. We thank him for coming and sitting down with us. And you can make up your own mind based upon what you heard. Again, thank you for listening to The Clay Young Show. You can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR, on Facebook backslash ClayYoung, or you can email me, Clay, at podcast225.com. Enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are, and hopefully we have been of service to you. Thanks for listening to The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.